I'm Warren Smith, and thanks for joining me for the Ministry Watch podcast. You know, here at Ministry Watch, we bring you the latest news in charity and philanthropy, all designed to help us become better stewards of the resources God has entrusted to us. And on these Ministry Watch Extra episodes, we include interviews with people that I think help round out this understanding of what it means to be a faithful steward of God's resources. On today's Ministry Watch Extra episode, an interview with Brian Owens. Brian Owens has turned a highly specific niche business into a multi-million dollar operation that has become a significant tourist attraction in Alabama. In the process, he's developed what he calls a theology of work, which we'll discuss later in the program. The business I'm talking about is unclaimed baggage. In 1970, Brian's father, Doyle Owens, bought some unclaimed bags from a bus company and sold the contents on folding tables in front of a rented house in Scottsboro, Alabama. The idea was an instant success, and Doyle and his family quickly grew unclaimed baggage to one of the largest retailers in the state of Alabama as a result of long-term exclusive contracts with the country's major airlines. Brian bought the business from his father in 1995, and today Unclaimed Baggage Center takes up a city block and attracts more than a million visitors a year to Northeast Alabama. As you'll hear, Brian Owens is also a committed Christian with carefully thought out ideas about charity, philanthropy, and how to run a business according to Christian principles. I sat down with Brian Owens at his corporate headquarters in Atlanta. Brian Owens, welcome to the program. It's um, really a pleasure to be with you here in your offices in Atlanta. And um, I want to um, talk about what you do here eventually in our in our conversation. But I want to start with what you do over in Alabama. Uh, you, I think a lot of our listeners will be really interested in your um, in sort of the legacy business, your family business, Unclaimed Baggage. Um, tell us how that business got started and just the vo- the size and scope and volume of it, which is huge. Yeah, my dad uh, Doyle Owens, um, who went on to be with the Lord. Uh, in December of last year, uh, founded that business in 1970. He borrowed $300 from uh, one of my grandfathers and borrowed a pickup truck from another grandfather and and uh, uh, made a connection um, and found a load of unclaimed bags that he could that he could bring back to uh, where unclaimed baggage is is headquartered in Scottsboro, Alabama, in, in northeast Alabama. Started out as a part-time venture, um, and they uh, opened up the contents of those bags and put them out on some makeshift card tables and uh, did uh, kind of a rough sortation process. And um, it was off to the races. Really, the first for the the first day they opened the store. And early in the process, it was it was buses as well. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, it, it was. He actually started out with Trailways bus lines, and then moved into I think maybe Greyhound, and, and then into the world of airlines. I think his first airline was Eastern Airlines, which at the time, at the time was a very large carrier. Oh yeah. So. 
Well, I, I think a lot of our listeners will be fascinated by that because this whole, you know, I travel a lot. Um, my bags rarely get lost, mm-hmm. but sometimes they do. I don't think I've ever had a bag get lost to the point where I was never able to recover it. But it does happen, and um, they end up, I mean, I mean, every bag in the country ends up with you? Well, we have uh, exclusive long-term contracts uh, uh, that that really covers the, the U.S., um, and we bring in every week tractor trailer loads of, of unclaimed property, unclaimed bags. It's anything that gets shipped on an airplane in the aircraft belly. Uh, could be things, uh, a lot of things left on board uh, in, in the seat back pocket or the overheads or the gate area. Um, so you can just think of anything that, that um, passengers uh, would take with them. That's amazing. Well, I, I, y'all are a privately held business, and 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 I know some of the information is proprietary. But can you give uh, me a sense of the scope and scale? I mean, how many millions of bags or thousands of square feet do you guys have well, there? Well, we uh, we stock seven thousand never seen before items uh, uh, into the store every day. Um, we have uh, a million people a year that come into Scottsboro the small town of 15,000 people in northeast Alabama uh, to uh, to shop, uh, to, to treasure hunt, if you will. Yeah, it's become sort of a dest- – it's become a tourist attraction in Alabama and kind of a destination is what mm. the way I understand it. Is that correct? Yeah, it's uh, it's this really only second to the beaches in Alabama in terms of, of the tourist draw. Uh, we have people that come there from every state in America every year and usually about 40 foreign countries. And they come and they – look at this stuff that you've put out. Now, you open a bag, an unclaimed bag, and surely not everything is worth selling. What do you do with, I'm guessing, tons of material that probably can't be sold? We uh, So we have kind of three large buckets, if you will. Um, about a third of it is just not sellable, and we just throw away, or it could be even morally objectionable, so we wouldn't sell it. Um and then about a third we we have uh, we give to ministries, some long, uh, long term established ministries, and then the rest we sell either in the retail uh, store or um, we do sell some things online um, as well. I'm curious as to how technology has affected your business on both ends. So, for example, um, is are, are there fewer and fewer bags being lost or unclaimed these days? Have you seen a decrease over the years, or has the increase in air travel mitigated that in some way? It's pretty interesting. Uh, we do... S- the airlines are mishandling fewer bags uh, because they've, they've, they've gotten better technology in place. The industry is a growing uh, industry, and so, so we're, we're picking up that benefit. Um, we've also seen a shift as the airlines are, are, are uh, charging for um, checking bags. Right. We've seen yeah. a shift of people carrying things into, into the uh, aircraft cabin, um, aircraft cabins, and... Uh, and so we, uh, a lot of what we get are what we call lost and found items that are that are left on board the aircraft. Yeah. So net net, or is it is it a growing business, a steady business, or a declining business? Now we've been in a, I mean, thankfully in the providence and blessing of the Lord, we've been we've been in a growth mode for quite some time. 
Well, um, I know you do other things. This this business for you was a family business. You acquired it from your father in the mid to late 1990s. Mm-hmm. But you did many other things mm-hmm. before um, becoming the owner and CEO of Unclaimed Baggage. What were some of those things? Yeah. How did you get your start as an entrepreneur? Well, I, I'm the fifth generation person in my family to be involved in entrepreneurship. Um, uh, I like to kind of separate that. Uh, I, I mean, I like to not closely associate my identity with, with well, I'm this or I'm that. Um, first and foremost, uh, yeah, I belong uh, to my creator um, and, and, and I want my identity to be, to be derived from that. Uh, my calling, my vocation really is is related to, to entrepreneurship. Um, I started uh, the first business I was involved in uh, back in high school as a car wash and detailing business. And, uh, and then I, after college, I had an opportunity to do some different things. I had an opportunity to go to law school. I would have been a miserable lawyer. Um, I had some really good job offers, but my dad... Uh, uh, really needed somebody to come alongside of him in the company, and, and he allowed me to come in and do a lot of things in the business and worked across a lot of different areas. Uh, I did that for about seven years and really helped him expand our footprint uh, in the airline world. And But then I needed to spread my own wings, and um, and, and so I, I, I took a pause, and, and I actually did something very different. I worked for a... Um, a uh, Christian nonprofit, uh, family life of of uh, yeah, Dennis Rainey's radio ministry, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you do for them? I, I helped them. I had a region of the country, and I helped them go set up their family life conferences, and and it was a lot of marketing and field work. And, sure, uh, uh, it was not for not a, a long term calling for me, but it was it really was a. Uh, uh, a, a, a God ordained segue for me. Um, I learned a, a lot about what it means to be a, a godly husband and, and father during that time. Um, I, I established some key relationships. I met my wife uh, Sharon during that time, and um, so it was it was a real blessing. Well, I would assume that in your role now, because as a successful entrepreneur, you're in an opportunity. You you have the opportunity to look at ministries and evaluate which ones that are worthy of, you know, financial support and other kinds of support. I bet that experience helps you make some of those decisions. Well, I would look at it in the sense that, that uh, Sharon and I have always felt very strongly about support, a couple things, about supporting uh, ministries that help build up the family. Um, and so I mean, that was one of the reasons I went to work for Dennis Rainey. Um, because it was uh, it was a, a family ministry um, that uh, that resonated with me, and then in our marriage, uh, we've always given to uh, to ministries that are that are oriented towards building stronger families, and then um, we've always had a real interest in, in Christian worldview, um, and you know, that's one of the reasons we love uh, World Magazine. We uh, Sharon and I both went through a mentorship program uh, with Chuck Colson before he passed away. Right, our Colson Fellows Program. Yeah, yeah. it was called, the, called the Centurions, Centurions yeah. Program at the time, and and that was that was a remarkable time for us to to be able to get to know him and to be under his tutelage as well as as the some really rock stars 
that uh, that he brought in uh, during the course of, of, of our year long program. Well, obviously, it's gratifying for me to hear that because you know work for World and now work for the Colson Center. So it's uh, it's wonderful to hear that um, those experiences were were important in your life. I'm wondering what else. I mean, you 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 as you said, you come from five generations of entrepreneurs. You talked about your father passing away. I'm sorry about that. I remember when your dad passed away, and you said, but but it was in some ways. Um, I mean, we I don't want to downplay the passing of a loved one. I mean, that causes sadness and sorrow for us here, but you said he went to be with the Lord, so he was a Christian believer. Is that, is this just a part of your family? Um, you know, it goes back, uh, it does go back several generations. Uh, my mom actually was the one who taught me about Jesus. She taught me uh, uh, to have a love for the Lord, to have a love for his word, she taught me uh, to to uh, to love the scriptures, to to read great Christian literature, um, and um, and my dad really his faith kind of took off later in life, and so I learned a lot from him about business, and he was one of the most generous people that that I've ever known. So um, it was kind of a one-two punch with my mom and dad. You're listening in today on my conversation with Brian Owens as part of our Ministry Watch Extra series. I wanted to include my conversation with Brian in this series because as I explore in detail in the book Faith-Based Fraud, one of the underlying causes of fraud and abuse in the church is the absence of what I call in the book a theology of work. The idea that work is a gift from God. The prosperity gospel explicitly denies that idea, and that denial has found its way into many aspects of modern evangelical ministry. We'll hear more from Brian Owens, including his own understanding of the theology of work, when we return. I'm Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. You're listening in on my conversation with the man behind all the lost baggage in America, Unclaimed Baggage Center's Brian Owens. Unclaimed Baggage has been featured on NPR, The Today Show, The New York Times, Bloomberg, and many other news outlets. I had this conversation with Brian Owens at his office in Atlanta. Brian, um, you meant, I want to come back to your faith and talk a little bit more about your faith journey and, and sort of you know how you perpetuate that in, in your family and in your business later. But I want to 
um, go back to something you said a moment ago where you said you worked with your dad and then you went away to spread your wings. A part of that was a couple of years with Dennis Rainey. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you also got involved in some entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. um, ventures of your own. Um, Can you say a little about that? And I guess particularly, if you don't mind talking about this, uh, clearly today we're you know we're sitting in this gorgeous office with this great view and and you know it's it's pretty easy to see the successes that you've had i'm wondering if you'd be willing to talk about any failures that you might have had and how those hmm. were defining or or instructive or character building in your life uh i think anybody involved in entrepreneurship uh i mean they're 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 really high highs and really low lows and we we've had Plenty of both. Uh, when I left um, Crusade, um, uh, my wife had a good job. Uh, it was uh, was. Uh, I should probably explain. Dennis Rainey's ministry was a part of Campus Crusade for Christ. That's correct. That, yeah, got it. Yeah. So when I left working for Dennis, um, I had an I had an idea to uh, to start a business. I had that itch and. Uh, Sharon, my wife, had a great job uh, as, as a marketing executive at Frio Lay in Dallas, where their headquarters was. And so, we launched. I, we, I, I moved to Dallas to, to uh, where she had a job and and, and to launch uh, this this venture. Um, I started out with a blank legal pad, a borrowed office, uh, and, an, and an idea. And I, I, I pulled together, which has kind of been my my. Uh, 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 my own personal formula. I pulled together uh, a group of of advisors from from the from the industry and I sought their advice. They kind of became an advisory board to me. Um, and uh, hearkening back to my Texas days, we dug a lot of dry holes, as they say in Texas. Uh, it was really three years um, before uh, we landed the first piece of business. And I mean, there are times as a uh, um, as a businessman, I, I would see my life passing before my eyes. I mean, it, it, there were times of uh, utter hopelessness. Um, and Sharon and I would pray and ask the Lord if uh, you know if He's in this and want us to, want us to keep going. And invariably, something would happen. Uh, you know, within a day or two, that was that was um, like a breadcrumb that the Lord would place on on my path to keep us going. But three years is a very what kind of business was it, by the way? We were uh, actually built a um, a, tra- a baggage tracing business um, that uh, was both a, a managed service uh, and and a technology business that. Yeah. Uh, uh, we started, it was called Bagnet. We started that and founded it in the fall of 1989. But three years is a long time to go without, I guess, seeing some, some significant revenue from that business. Is that correct? Yeah, almost no revenue and, yeah. and, until three years. And so I, I, I think it would probably be self-evident and, and um, maybe stating the obvious to say that you that – that was a character building experience for you during those three years and probably taught you a lot about perseverance. How did you know during that time that you should you should persevere that you sh- that that you were really on to something I mean at some point, I know as an entrepreneur, you probably had ventures that you just had to walk away from. you said this was a good idea, but and you just you know pivot and go do something else or, or how did you know that you should stick with this? Well, uh, as I said, at different 
uh, points in time, God just brought people uh, along. Uh, for one thing, he gave us great strategic advisors. Uh, uh, I'll never forget Robert uh, McCulloch, uh, who was uh, our, our lawyer at the time, and, and I was his poor client. I mean, he, he had no business working with me, but he was a godly man. He provided great counsel, and, and um, we had a, a guy named Jerry White, who was the head of the entrepreneurship program at, at SMU, became a very close advisor, and he had walked a lot of entrepreneurs uh, through the ups and downs, and I learned a lot from, from Jerry, and you know, I had uh, spiritual mentors that, that, that spoke into my life, but um, just at the point where I was ready to give up, it's like God would open a door and say, you know, as it says in, in uh, I think, Isaiah, this is the way, walk ye in it. So part of the lesson there is surround yourself with good advisors and an abundance of advisors. Mm-hmm. There's wisdom, and part of it too is um, listen to them if they are t- if they're telling you to persevere. Mm-hmm. That's good advice. If they're telling you that there's nothing here, move on. You should probably listen to that too. Yes, and I, and I've had friends in both categories. I've had friends have given up too soon. So I have, I have a lot of of friends involved in entrepreneurship. Um. Uh. But, I, but I've had friends who also stuck it out too long, and, but they, and they weren't listening to the counsel around them. Yeah. Well, Brian, um, I know because you and I have had some of this conversation offline that as, as you've been developing as an entrepreneur, you've also been growing as a Christian, and you talked about some of the factors that were involved there. Um, over time, you've developed um, – I don't want to be pretentious about this, but, but you've developed um, something of a theology of work mm-hmm. in entrepreneurship. Would you say a little about that? Yeah, I, I feel really strongly about the, uh, the, the theology of work. I think it's biblical. I think it's solid. Um, you know, there's there's this fallacy thinking that, uh, and and oftentimes it's propagated by Christian ministries even um, or churches uh, that there's the secular and the sacred, and and if you're in ministry, it's the most sacred thing you can do, and uh, and you know that's just wrong. It's yeah. just dead wrong. Um, the uh, yeah, Luther wrote about uh, the the just the importance of the role of of uh, the common laborer, uh, and it was just as important as that as the priest if 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 that work is done in faith. Um, and those words are prescient, of course, uh, upon this 500th anniversary, and we're talking a lot about Luther these days. Sure. Um, uh, a couple of things I would say about that. One is. Um, I think it was Chuck Colson that introduced me to a quote by uh, Abraham Kuyper, the former Dutch theologian and prime minister of Holland. Uh, and and I, I have a paraphrase of his quote because it's easier for me to remember it. Um, but but he, he essentially says there, uh, there's not one square inch in all the universe over which Jesus Christ does not declare mine. And and so we have uh, we've been blessed with executives and Leaders and, and many people uh, among uh, our ranks that understand that that we've been called to the work that that that, that we that we have. I, I'm passionate about calling. Everybody has a calling. I, I know I'm claim baggage when I go over uh, there for for meetings. Uh, I love to tell the story about we have a 
uh, because of the the large retail footprint, we you know all the visitors that we have coming through uh, the store every day from all over. Um, one of the big things that's important is, is what we call housekeeping, and we ha- we have a, a couple of ladies that are involved in housekeeping. Uh, and you can imagine somebody if they spent uh, hours driving to Scottsboro. <laughs> Honestly, one of the first things they need to do is they need, they need to, to visit the facilities. And so we always take pride in making sure that we have really clean restrooms. And one of our housekeepers is a little lady named Margie. And Margie's about four foot seven. Um, but whenever I see her, you know, I, you know, I pat her on the, the back and tell her, Margie, you have one of the most important jobs in the, in the whole company because you make us look good. And she just beams, and and she, uh, I mean, she 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 loves her job. Well, that's a, what you just described. I would say is a sign of a good manager, a great manager. There's a practical benefit there as well, but it's also an affirmation of the inherent dignity of that person as well, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, what was the Schaefer who wrote a book called "There, there Are No Little People." Uh, and, and that's, and again, it was, we're living out our faith. We're living it out, uh, in how we, how we treat one another, how we treat those that, that, uh, work under us, uh, how we treat our bosses, um, our business partners, um, our, our suppliers, um, we don't always get it right, yeah. but but that's what we aspire to. Well, how, and how, as a leader, obviously doing what you just described models that behavior to a certain extent. But but you got a lot of folks working for you, mm-hmm. and they you, you know you you have and and they're not all working with you. They they're working in disparate places right. around. Um, how as a as a leader, how do you create a culture in which the entire organization understands? Maybe they don't believe exactly the way you believe but they at least understand that that's the way you believe right right it uh, culture is extraordinarily powerful every company every organization every family has a culture a microculture uh, in that case um, and it will happen but what we tried to do is be intentional about culture building that is really, really, really important to us to, to, to be purposeful, um, and yeah, it, it starts at the it starts at the top. Uh, we we uh, we've been blessed with with uh, a number of executives that understand that and that understand that we're doing our work as unto the Lord. If we don't do our work with excellence, people don't care about what we what we believe in terms of our faith. Today's Ministry Watch Extra episode features my conversation with entrepreneur and philanthropist Brian Owens. I'm Warren Smith, and we'll have a few final thoughts from Brian when we return. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. 
For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Today's Ministry Watch Extra episode features entrepreneur and philanthropist Brian Owens. Let's get right back to that conversation. Brian, because I've worked for World and because I now work for the Coastal Center, I may know more than I should about your generosity, <laughs> um, which has been great. Generosity is an important part of your life and of what you try to do and teach here at uh, your business, isn't it? Yeah, I learned that from my dad. Um, there was a time in my family where, uh, actually, before my dad started Unclaimed Baggage, um, where and we were just living hand to mouth. And my dad would get his paycheck cashed, and they would they would take the money and put it in, in this one of these old metal Band-Aid boxes like they used to have. And when they needed to go get gas, they would pull money out of the Band-Aid box. When they needed to go get uh, uh, groceries, they'd pull the money out of the Band-Aid box. And when the money was gone, there was no more spending. Um, but what I saw from my dad, uh, I grew up in a... Uh, a Baptist church of a few hundred people. Um, and I saw my dad every Sunday morning, even during those hard times, he would, uh, they would give you these little envelopes, to put your offering and you fill out, it, fill it out and turn it in. And even during those times, he would give his tithe to the Lord. I worked with him on his budget uh, on the, the last year of his life and things were kind of tight. And he was having to have round the clock care. Uh, and, Big number uh, that he wrote into his budget that was that was a given uh, that he was going to uh, tithe uh, to the Lord and support his local church, and so and and I and I, uh, and I have one of those envelopes like he used that I keep in my Bible as a reminder to me, and so uh, it, generosity is is. Uh, uh, something that we're called to do. It didn't belong to us to begin with, and and we've adopted a practice of of, of we t- we personally tithe off uh, or give uh, off of our uh, our paychecks, uh, but we also uh, now uh, uh, give off of the the profits of our companies as well. Um, and, and we love doing that, and we love supporting the Lord's work around the world. Um, we're in the process of, of uh, putting together a nonprofit, uh, kind of a playoff of Unclaimed Baggage called Reclaimed for Good. And uh, we, we, uh, we, we give a lot of things away f- uh, through Unclaimed Baggage um, for, for, for different ministries. Um, and, uh, and then we love to be able to, to monetarily support th- uh, the Lord's work. It's, it's one of the greatest joys of my life. And when I, when I talk to young people, um, especially young families, uh, I just I'm so passionate about that, the, about giving and establishing that pattern, uh, that uh, that habit, if you will, early in your life. And I tell people, don't even think about it. Write the check. Don't even think about it. I mean, and you get you know, and you know, you give of the first fruits of your labors. Um, and you establish that habit early on, and you do it. You keep writing those checks through the uh, the ups and the downs, um, and and it will be one of the greatest blessings of your life to do that. 
Brian, you mentioned the Colson Center and and the fact that you read World Magazine, and you know we have an expression that you may have heard Chuck say uh, whenever you were went through this insurance program, the Colson Fellows program, that readers are leaders and leaders are readers. And I'm just, you, I know you had to read a lot of books when you went through the Colson Fellows slash insurance program, and I see a lot of books on your shelf over there now. In fact, I always try to make it a habit whenever, if it's not too creepy, to look at them guys' books bookcase when I go into their office. Um, what are you reading now? What's what's important to you? What's the um, or what have you read recently that is that that even at this stage in your life caused light bulbs to go off for you? Uh, I tell people that I regularly read three things. I mean, every day uh, I have a habit of 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 getting in the Word, uh, God's Word, the Scriptures every day. Well, if I could if I could interrupt you, I noticed that on your on your credenza right behind your desk there, the, um you you've got an open bible there. Mm-hmm. Is that does that is that where it stays? It stay yeah, it stays on Psalm 112. Really? Mhm. I mean, I, I find that that's as important to me as eating. It's as important as oxygen to me uh to to be in God's word every day. Not and not every day is is a fabulous day. Uh um, but but you know this morning I, 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 I was making my way through Galatians. I got to Galatians five and I'm dwelling on the 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 deeds of the flesh and just you know, asking the Lord, okay, you know what are these are showing up in my life and and when you're living by the Spirit, of course they're not there. Um, so so uh, and, and I love the Word of God and that's come about with with time and I know a lot of young guys struggle with it. Um, and, and they need a framework that it's, it's kind of daunting to know where to start. Um, uh, I just, I just, the last year or so, uh, just started reading through the gospels and then in Acts and, and now I have an interest in looking at, so how did this get worked out in the early church? And so I'm reading not only, uh, have the, the, I'm even kind of reading the epistles in chronological order, um, to see how that how Christianity worked itself out, but I've also picked up a book on church history, uh, so uh, where the Bible leaves off, because um, there's a lot that's been written by historians. Um, the, I, I, I read the Wall Street Journal just about every day. Uh, I find it is a great source of of, of uh, inter- information for me. Um, I uh, and and I love to read World Magazine because I love the perspective. So those are the three things that that I, I regularly read um and then uh, and then i've always got a couple of books going I, I, for my own personal pleasure i like to read uh, kind of counter espionage uh books like by daniel silva or brad thor or, um uh, i even read the, the former uh, vince flynn has uh, his series still going by uh, a guy who's, who's taking it up and and read those things um I love to to uh, to read biographies. I've, I've read them on George Washington, and um, t- my son just came in last night. It's kind of funny. Uh, he just had 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 coffee with with a friend of his, and they were talking about they were sh- sharing. Well, I'm, here's what I'm reading, and and uh, his friend said, uh, "Yeah, I'm reading uh, the the new book by, uh, on uh, biography on Martin Luther." And he said, "I bet you a hundred dollars that my dad." Uh, is reading that book right now, and, and as soon as Ben walked in the door last night, he started laughing. And right on the on the table by my chair is the Martin Luther book by Eric, Eric Metaxas. Metaxas. Sure, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Eric, so, our colleague at the Colson Center, right? And, uh, yeah, he's written. It's a it's a great. I mean, I don't know. Have you found it? I found it to be a very readable book. 
it's a big fat book, but yeah, it's also I, I'm just getting into it. Just getting so. into it, yeah. Today's Ministry Watch Extra episode featured my conversation with Brian Owens. We'll have more interviews on the importance of entrepreneurship and work to create human flourishing in the weeks ahead. A couple of quick reminders before we go. I'd like to let you know that there's a quick, easy, and free way to support this program, and that's to rate us on your podcast app. The more ratings we have, the better the podcast performs with search engines. You can also leave a comment when you give us a rating. I can't respond via the app, but please know that I read every single comment and I find them most encouraging and helpful. If you would like to learn more about the theology of work that we talked about today, and if you want to support the program financially, you can get my book, Faith-Based Fraud. For a donation of any size during the month of September, we'll send you a free copy of the book. Just go to ministrywatch.com and click on the Donate tab at the top of the page. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosal and Steve Gandy. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Goddard, Stephen DeBerry, and Casey Suddeth. I'm Warren Smith, coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina, and you've been listening to the Ministry Watch Podcast. May God bless you. Thank you.